This is the IDP After Show. Welcome to the IDP After Show. I'm your host, Jace Abbey, and today we've got the eighth and final installment of the Divisional Preview Series hosted by myself and Evan Ronda. Joining me today to discuss the IDPs in the NFC North is the one and only Steve Thomason, otherwise known as Dynasty Santa. Steve is the content manager, editor, writer, and ranker for the IDP guys, bringing a wealth of knowledge and experience to the table. Steve, welcome. I've been uh, I've been looking forward to having you on. How are you? Same here. Really excited to be here, man. Really appreciate the invite. And uh, yeah, talk talk some NFC North here with you. You you do everything with a smile on your face. It's it's amazing. You know, well, when you're talking fantasy football, how else how else should you be? You know, <laughs> this is the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. So look, I mean, let's let's dive straight into this. So, yeah, Steve and I are going to count down uh, our list of yeah. the uh, the best IDPs in the NFC North, uh, going from number ten down to number one, discussing each player as we go. Before touching briefly on a couple of rookies that we like in the division two. Um, so yeah, it'd be rude not to allow my guest to go first. So Steve, you want to kick <laughs> us off with uh, with a guy you have at number ten and why? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, uh, we're talking redraft format. So my number ten here is Rashawn Gary from the Green Bay Packers. So um, if we're talking, you know, he he can vary on a lot of lists. I think depending on the scoring format that that we're using. But so I kind of have him slid in at number ten primarily because of the injury concerns. Um, he's been on pop, I believe, most of the preseason. I think he's got a shot to to be ready to go for Week One, but we don't know if they're going to fully ramp him up staff count wise. So uh, he, you know, he was on pace for a 12 sack year with like a decent amount of tackles too, like pacing 50 to 60 tackles, which would have been a really, really good season for a DN edge rusher type. So um, I think if he can maintain that momentum from last year, he's going to be a steal at, at 10 here. And I believe, I think you have him much higher, but um, for, for where he's going, I think in the injury concerns, uh, if if he does bounce back this year, I, I think he could be just an incredible value. So he's an easy top ten guy. Yeah, I, you know I agree with uh, agree with your points there. Um, I do have him uh, much higher on my list. I'm not going to tell people where just yet. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Gary fan. Yeah, you know, like you say, the injury is the is the main concern there, really. Um, but he does seem to be trending in the right direction based on what we're seeing. It's it's, it's a little too early to tell whether he's going to be ready for for week one. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm liking what I'm hearing um mm-hmm. so, yeah it seems yeah. very positive so far the news like no no major setbacks or anything we just don't have a clear picture i think of like his where he's going to be you know his snap counts and, and things like that yeah yeah okay okay so more from more from me on gary in a bit but my number 10 i've gone with uh with jack campbell i'm i'm a big fan you know many of us are um i don't see him starting the year as a full-time player um i think anzalone looks uh likely to be calling the plays as the every down linebacker, at least to begin with. Um, I think the Lions might be content to start Campbell out in that sort of uh, that sort of role we saw from Malcolm Rodriguez last year, a 50 to 75% snap share to start the year. Um, right. But, you know, as the season wears on, it's it's really difficult to imagine a scenario where they, they keep Campbell off the field and he doesn't overtake Anzalone. Um, you know, such is Campbell's potential. And as we all know already, you know, Anzalone's ceiling. Um, for me, it's more a question of, of when and not if that happens. 
Um, mm. but, but, you know, like we saw with Rodriguez last year, we know Dan Campbell and, and Aaron Glenn aren't scared to throw these rookie linebackers into the fire Absolutely. early. <laughs> um, so, you know, as much as a, a commodity is a hot commodity as uh, Rodriguez was at this point last year after hard knocks, right. uh, Campbell is all of that and more, and they invested Absolutely. so much more draft capital in him, right? So he's going to take his lumps when he gets on the field. Um, rookie linebackers do. They're never the finished article from the get-go. Um, right. But I love his outlook. I love his outlook. I think he'll be hitting his stride during those fantasy playoffs um, if all works out as mm. I think it should. So, um, you know, he's going as the LB24 in the IDP show okay. best ball drafts. We're up to like 60 drafts so far over the course of the, uh, the, the nice. season and preseason. And I think it's, it's behind the Kobe Dean and the likes of um, uh, right. Devondre, Devondre Campbell. Uh, sorry, one spot ahead of Devondre Campbell. And that's a little okay. bit a little bit too rich for my liking, um, okay. especially when you've got – let's have a look here. So guys like uh, – so Denzel Perriman, for example, he's going as the LB46. Ah. That's five, five rounds later. I understand mm -hmm. the, the level of interest, um, but I think fantasy managers are kind of looking to Campbell with one eye on what he's going to be two mm -hmm. to three months from now, as I say, maybe when the fantasy playoffs start hitting. But yeah, number 10 feels about right for Campbell on my list. Where do you stand on him? Yeah, I, everything you said I agree with. Um, I'm a little more bullish. He's a little higher for me um, just because I, exactly what you just said. The, I'm thinking kind of forward, right? So um, I'm thinking fantasy playoffs. I'm thinking he's they're going to hopefully learn that Anzalone stinks and, and he's going to take over that full-time <laughs> role. And I feel like I can mitigate the early season weeks with a guy like Perryman, like you just said. So, uh, but I think when the, when the staff counts hit that, you know, what is it uh, the, from back to the future hit 88 and, yeah. and uh, we go full steam. So I think once it hits that eighties plus range, and obviously if he fully takes over for Anzalone, he'll be, pushing 100 um i think that's when it's wheels up so i i think that's actually a great value um right now of course rookie fever always gets everyone so yeah could it be a little early um than than, than guys like you mentioned sure but i do just love that upside and i really think the detroit defense gonna be probably in shootouts this year so i think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for big like splash plays where he didn't really get a lot of those in college he's pretty much ta giving you tackles and not much else not much of a pass rusher wasn't really yep. picking off a ton of passes things like that but i think with the lions you know game scripts you know trying to predict that i think he might have a shot to add all that stuff which could just catapult him into that you know elite tier potentially on a points per game basis once we get towards the end of this year okay good stuff good stuff so uh let's move on number nine who have you got so I've got the other Campbell, a guy you touched on, Devondre. Um, I've got Devondre Campbell down at nine. Um, just, you know, I think the, the age is getting there. I think we've seen that the passing of the torch possibly has already occurred with Quay Walker wearing the green dot um, in, in the preseason at times. I, I, I believe our guy, big, big Mike Waller out there who tracks that like a fiend. Um, I can't remember if it was the entire preseason that he got out there, but I think like the important game week two, he was wearing the green dot. So I think that points to him being the hundred percent snap guy and Campbell kind of takes a secondary role here. So still going to be very productive, I think, but, um, yeah, just to, he's a solid LB two LB three guy for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a Campbell fan. You know, I, I, he's one of those guys that. You know, he kind of he came he came he came to uh, the Packers and he'd always been productive but never been a, a a good player, which always you know gave me some reason for concern that he might not continue to be a productive player if he lost his role. But you know, he, he kind of 
he's one of those guys. He just became a completely different, completely different player, didn't he? For the for the team once he arrived, right? Still productive. Yeah, the injury was a little worry last year, um, but he came back and he did seize that role back again from or the every down role, if you like, back from uh, from Walker. But you know, as you say, uh, the early preseason indications are that um, that that Walker might be wearing that green dot. So you know, kind of where does that leave leave Campbell? If it's somewhere around the sort of the snap count that we saw from. From Walker, he's still going to mm-hmm. be in the sort of the eighties and nineties, so still should be a yeah. good player. So, yeah, I like him at number nine. I, he's a guy. He's a guy I've got on my list. Um, I got him a little higher than you, um, but yeah, no, I appreciate. I, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, my number nine is another linebacker, another another veteran linebacker. I've gone with uh, with Jordan Hicks. Um, now he's not a he's not a buzzy name. Is he? Um, I think there's more. <laughs> there's more interest in the, in the likes yeah. of uh, his teammate Brian Asamoah going into his mm-hmm. second year, um, and I do think Asamoah is going to play a you know a big role in the heart of that Vikings defense. But I think I think it's Hicks that the team's going to kind of turn to for that sort of leadership presence in the absence of, uh, of Eric Can- Eric Kendricks. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Hicks isn't isn't the player he was early in his career, certainly in pass coverage anyway. But he does bring. A lot of experience to the table, like I said. Um, played almost a thousand snaps behind Kendricks last year, and it just makes sense for me that he'll be the guy sort of sporting that green dot and, and rarely coming off the field. I think you know a thousand snaps, 125 plus combined tackles is is right. well within his, his sort of range of outcomes this year. Um, again, he's he's one of those guys being no stranger to making big plays uh, over the course of his career, wherever he's gone, pass breakups, interceptions, sacks. Uh, my only concern with him really is is what happened towards the uh, the end of the year if the Vikings fall out of contention. Um, Hicks is only under contract through this year. At right. that point, did they start to lean on Asamoah a little more? Would it be too early to to start thinking about involving? This, this is a this is a wild one, but Ivan Pace I a little Ivan more. Pace. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> um, you know, I can't I can't see yeah. a situation where where Hicks is phased out. If he's healthy, he's phased yeah. out completely. Right. He's, he's he's too good for that. But you know, any reduction in snap share towards the end of the year during those fantasy playoffs could be could be kind of disastrous for his fantasy managers. So. Absolutely. That's that's my main cause for concern, really. Yeah, he feels like, luckily, he's even if that happens, it's probably not hurting you based, I think, on where he's going. I think you're still getting him as like a low end LB two like slash LB three guy. So I think you can bounce back if if something like that does happen. Um, he's the only one that we differed on um, that didn't make my top ten, which actually might need cause me to go back and double check my rankings because I am finding myself. Um, being more open to drafting him uh, as we get closer to the season here. I think he, like you just said, like he's going to be the main guy. I think a lot of people wanted Asamoah to be that guy, but I think he's been battling injuries still uh, this preseason a little bit, which, and I think that's what caused him uh, not to get much playing time last year either, uh, at least earlier in the year. So, and then, you know, who's there? Flores, right, is taking over, who runs a ton of single linebacker, and it, it seems like Hicks is going to be that guy. So he he just feels like the, one of these, like, vet values that's going to, you know, turn in a, a really good season, especially based on where you can get him. Like, you could punt. If you wanted to punt linebacker and have him as your LB1, you could probably build a team around him um, doing, doing it that way. So absolutely – Probably I need to double check my rankings and, and get him slid up here a little bit. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, number eight, what you got? Okay, so my eight is, and okay, so here's the guy that kind of replaces who I didn't see on your list um, that makes mine. I've got Chauncey Gardner Johnson, um, safety for the Lions. I just think I think he's almost in a better position uh, with the Lions this year than he he was with the Eagles last year. So of course he missed some games, injury had a scare uh, earlier in the preseason. Um, so let's you know pray for a full healthy season out of this guy because when he's on the field, I mean he's just a ball hawk. Uh, he he was propped up by six interceptions in twelve games last year. Can we pencil that in for this year? Of course not, even if he plays a full healthy year, right? Of course yep. you can't rely on that. But similar to my just upside thinking with Campbell, I just think with the way their offense is structured, and, and the defense, you know, still leaves a, a bit to be desired, I think. You know, I don't, I don't know that they improved much to for the, as far as the run game um, hopefully Campbell helps with that but one guy you know I'm not sure is going to make a big enough difference so I just think there's going to be a ton of opportunity and like I said potentially even more for Gardner Johnson this year uh, to just put up ridiculous fantasy stats so um, I feel like he's all over the place with with drafts like I don't know what what his ADP may have actually settled on you could probably check that out for me but like that's yeah. going to be an average, but like you see him go, people reach for him. You see him be an incredible value as well. Like in the, I can still get him in the late teens, sometimes early twenties. If everyone's punting on defensive back together in, in those drafts. So like, he's kind of all over the place. I feel like um, from where I've seen, especially with the roller coaster of this preseason and the injury and was he going to be out and what actually did he tear anything? So seems like he's good to go. Uh, like I said, I think that was more of a scare, but uh, yeah, I just, I just love him. And I, and I really do think he could potentially be in a better position uh, from a fantasy standpoint than he was with the Eagles last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, he's not on my list, but I don't, I don't hate yeah. it. Um, yeah. which doesn't, doesn't sound like a, you know, a glowing, a glowing appraisal. I don't hate it. You, you know, as you mentioned, you know, he can't, can't rely on those six interceptions every right. year, but as far as being a, a ball Hawks, he's always, he's always mixing it up with like plenty of pass breakups. Um, right. just looking at it now, he had like 11 in 2020, he had three interceptions right. and four pass breakups in 2021. So, you know, he's always going to be around the ball in that uh, in that secondary he's going uh he's going as the safety 12 with an adp of 133 okay. so the guys around him looking at uh, cam curl one spot behind right. him as a safety and then kyle duggar but he's going sort of two rounds ahead of mm. uh gardner johnson so yeah, yeah I, I, I i don't hate it. i like him as a player um yeah and i yeah I, I I can see what you'd feature him on the list. He was one of, if I was to talk about the guys that nearly made my list, he would have been one of the, I reckon there was two yeah. or three um, that I would have talked about. Um, I went with a different safety actually at, uh, at eight. And I okay. went with, um, it's probably a guy you've got on your list. I don't know for sure, but I imagine you've got him a little lower than me. Um, and I've gone with Jaquan Brisker. Yeah. Um, and the reason I've got him this low or high, depending on how you look at it on my list, is because <laughs> I I do pretty consistently fade defensive backs uh, right. in fantasy. I often talk about how I'm happy to find, to sort of wait at the position and, and find another guy who's, Who's, who's probably going to have a chance to to score in sure. similar similar sort of? I mean, I'm just mindful that it's less likely that DBs are likely to repeat as top option top options mm -hmm. from one year to the next, and and that explains you know explains why even after a, a really good year last year, I've got Brisker uh, you know as low as number nine on my list. But that said, there's a there is a lot to like about about oh, yeah. the young safety. I think heading into the 2023, spent a lot of time 
near the line of scrimmage last year um, mm-hmm. in the box on the defensive line. We always like to see that. Oh, he yeah. finished with, uh, with four sacks, right? Um, I think that was, I think it was second at the position um, in that category. Um, And he's, you know, he's got Alan Williams coming back with his DC. So there's that, you know, that safe reassurance that, you know, that he's going to be playing in the similar role going forward as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The sack totals, I'm trying not to read too much into those because he didn't rush the passer really that much, 29 times. Other guys, um, Buddha Baker, for example, led the position 65, didn't get a single sack. Um, and I'm still, I don't know about you, but I'm still burned See, by that's uh, so Jamal. Crazy. Yeah, still burned by the Jamal Adams um, stuff from yeah. a couple of years back where yeah. I, di- I didn't expect him to keep producing that sort of level of sack volume, but right. uh, I didn't expect it to drop off as sharply as it did. So, yeah. but yeah, you know, like I say, he's going to be every down. He's going to be in the box. Um, it should be one of the more reliable sources of tackles at the position. Yeah, Brisker at my number uh, number eight seems pretty pretty good, even if I that's- say so myself. That's a perfect segue because he's seven for me. So we could just hey, keep hey. on going. Um, keep rolling. Uh, yeah. So we're right there on, in the same spot. I mean, look at that. Thinking about him versus Gardner Johnson. Like, yeah, I mean, they're they're so interchangeable to me. Yeah, Gardner Johnson maybe doesn't rush the passer um, nearly as much. But maybe, you know, I think the roles in, in the Detroit defense are are so ambiguous right now that who knows? Maybe they, they will unleash him. But – I think that's so interesting what you mentioned about the Baker uh, rushing the passer stats versus Brisker. I mean, that just shows you how unsticky that stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my – and this is funny because I'm naturally more of a pessimist than anything, but I think when I like guys, I flip-flop that and I go to being an optimist because I feel like the Brisker – pass rushing um window might be able to go even higher my thinking is that they the two new linebackers that they brought in which i'm sure we're going to talk about soon um aren't necessarily known for their pass rushing prowess tj edwards definitely isn't he's just Mm -hmm. straight tackle guy good coverage guy whatever um and then edmonds you know yeah i think the most sacks he's ever had was like is it two and a half or four and a half i was looking and said i can't remember um wait i have his stats up here let me check um the most sacks he's ever had yeah is two um so we aren't talking about you know linebackers that are necessarily going to go crazy so they might deploy brisker even more in that in that pass rushing um role uh you know playing playing close to the line like you said with with another year with the same dc so i think they get more comfortable with him and yeah i think he's he should be he's definitely got the db1 ceiling in his outlook uh this year for sure he could he could finish his the db1 so i think you're getting decent enough value on him um yeah he's he's a he's a great player this year and i'm very happy to have him if he falls to me anyway because <laughs> for sure yes we both are subscribers of the punt defensive back so we're usually not getting a lot of these guys but if they slide far enough for sure <laughs> that's it that's exactly it I, I i often miss out on these guys um despite yeah, liking them sure it's just the way it's just the way it goes but yeah you know your, your, your points are an interesting one maybe they see that efficiency last year um in terms of him rushing the passer didn't rush it often but when he did he he got home um at a yeah. higher rate than some of his some of his counterparts at the position so you know maybe they look at that and think you know maybe he should be doing that more so yeah it'd be interesting <laughs> to see how it plays out fingers um, crossed <laughs> yeah so i've i've cheated on my, on my number seven i don't have a number seven okay. i've got a, a six oh. a and a six six b two guys at the at the same position for the same team um 
So for me, one of the most interesting storylines for 2023 is is that relationship between the the snap share of uh, of Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell. Um, like we talked about, Campbell missed a bit of time last year, but um, kind of seized that role back from Walker once he did come back. Although Walker continued to be involved heavily, um, even though he wasn't like the every down guy. But right. I do, I do agree with uh, with uh, I think it was Tom Tom Kislinberry's recent assessment in that it serves the pack as well to kind of transition from the aging vet to the that new shiny toy sooner rather than later. Um, Campbell's cap hit in twenty twenty three is very affordable five point five, but in twenty twenty four that jumps to uh, something like fourteen fifteen million, and that's that's a hefty price tag for any linebacker who's in that sort of thirty thirty one uh, age age sort of bracket i think that's that's a pretty scary number actually so you know it's a nice yeah. problem to have it's a nice problem yeah. to have two two really capable players at the position but uh, on the basis of last year what we saw last year both guys will play a lot but you'd have to think the packers either restructure campbell or try and find a, a trade partner before 2024 uh, and anytime there's a veteran on sort of even semi shaky ground and a, and a, and a capable yeah. youngster waiting in the wings it does yeah. it makes me a little nervous um so yeah i think walker's in a nice spot this year and beyond and uh you know he's not the finished article um but he has no. he has demonstrated demonstrated proficiency in in one area which i think rookie linebackers really tend to struggle and that's in pass coverage um right. so yeah if he can kind of continue to develop as a run defender and he did towards the back end of last year then i wouldn't rule out a situation where he becomes the every down every down linebacker ahead of campbell um mm. In the midst of, if you're honest, you know, it's a massive, this is a, a massive period of transition for the Packers post Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, yeah, like you say, we saw Walker wear the green dot. Mm. Either way, however it plays out, I'm expecting a really good year from both guys. I doubt they'd keep Campbell off the field very much, even if Walker did wear the green dot. Um, mm. But, yeah, I'm excited about the outlook for both. Hell, yeah. I'm super bullish on Walker, so we'll see as we go up my list a little further. But mm-hmm. um, I'll pretty much just leave it at that and say, yeah, I think uh, I think the transition's happening, and uh, I, I, we kind of want our our you know 100% snap guys to be not the best coverage guys, right? Because we want mm-hmm. those those tackles, maybe those opportunities for passes defended, maybe some picks and stuff like that. So uh, we don't want him to get too good too fast, right? But uh, but no, I think, uh, right. But if he does, that'll guarantee him more, you know, more snaps and more opportunities on the field. So, yes, I'm very bullish on Walker. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. So having having jumped ahead, I've gone with my seven and six in one go. The, ne- the next two are yours. Who do you have at six? Okay, so um, okay, so back to Jack Campbell. Um, he's my six. So again, kind of just shuffling. We touched on him, um, and I do think if we if we want to just a quick mention on Dynasty. I mean, I think it's wheels up in twenty twenty four. So if you're getting Campbell, let's say I know your your ADPs are for you know seasonal this year but i still feel like dynasty adp he was probably landing around that same range maybe a little bit higher um but man if you're getting him as outside of the top 12 in in dynasty startups i think that's a smash home run because uh yeah they gave anzalone uh i think a three-year deal was it um yeah but you know there's outs there and i mean unless campbell just turns into a massive bust i think it's going to be so obvious that he's just you know heads and tails heads and shoulders a a better talent and football player than anzalone so if they just can't see that and keep rolling anzalone out there 
I just think it'll be one of the, you know, the biggest miscues uh, that we've seen from a coaching standpoint and not in, in regards to IDPs in a long time. So uh, we talked about Campbell for this year. Like I said, I think I'm ranking him up there because I do think, you know, call it second half of the season, fantasy playoffs, mm-hmm. he'll be a monster. So that's kind of the the ceiling that I'm shooting for in my uh, having him at, at six year. I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at his contract. Yeah, there is a there is an out in 2024. Yeah. Uh, when when the cap number and the dead the dead money uh, number kind of meet somewhere in the middle. Um, hey, question for you: Do you think they'd have they'd have, they'd have uh, extended Anzalone if they knew that Campbell would come to them in the draft? Do you think that would have happened? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I told you I love maybe, a tangent. <laughs> maybe not to the was it a three three year deal? Maybe not to that level of a contract, but it seems like they like him for whatever reason. <laughs> um, maybe he's, he's connected. Yeah, he's connected with Cam, the coach Campbell on a on a certain level. So they probably would have given him something. And you do need that depth. I mean, we saw Rodrigo kind of. I mean, P- PFF grade wise, like not the greatest. Especially, I feel like he started the year decent and then just for some reason went downhill later in the year which is a trend you don't want to see you kind of want to see the reverse right so maybe they noticed that you know rodrigo's level of play was so bad so i think they probably were still giving him something maybe not the the three the longer term deal that they did here but again these contracts are basically one-year deals and unfortunately we it feels like we've got the linebackers heading uh heading the way of the running backs right um where they're just not being valued and we've always kind of said they're sort of like the running backs of the defense so uh that's kind of unfortunate but uh yeah i think they would have extended him just not to the, the level fair enough fair enough so uh we're at number six i think um whoever you have next in your list yeah okay so um my next guy is tj edwards um for the bears so uh yeah, I think uh, we, we saw, I think, maybe his ceiling in Philadelphia last year. I think th- this is the hot debate for IDP this year, right? We've got, we've got who's going to be who's going to be the guy next to Milano in Buffalo. And then is it going to be Edmonds or Edwards? Who's, you know, who do you want more? And I think the answer could be both. I, I think they're both going to turn in really good seasons. Um, we saw, you know, so last year um when it was Roquan and Morrow together I mean Morrow was still playing literally 100% of the snaps um he just didn't give us much outside of tackles and even his tackles were very kind of lumpy throughout the year um now obviously I think TJ Edwards is a better football player and talent than Nicholas Morrow is so I do sort of uh, my prediction is that it's going to sort of sort of shake out where Edwards is Morrow and Edmonds is Roquan. So I think Edmonds still has a higher ceiling, but I think Edwards also improves on the stats that Morrow gave us last year with, you know, more splash plays, more uh, defended passes, um, maybe a couple of picks. So I think he definitely gives you a, a infinitely higher ceiling than Morrow gave us last year. Uh, very disappointing for a guy that literally played 100% of the snaps. Um, but again, TJ Edwards is better football player so um i think i'm lower on edwards than most people and it's just because i think edmonds is going to be amazing in this role being fully unleashed also with both for both of them what bodes well is that defensive line in front of them is still pretty putrid 
Whereas Buffalo, I think my I think with the disappointment in Edmonds in Buffalo is because the overall defense was just really good. So maybe he didn't have as many opportunities. Where now he's walking into you know a very bad defensive line and an okay secondary. Um, so I think they they both everything I'm saying for one can be true of the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree with your your assessment in that the answer. I think is both. Uh, and the only real question that seem, people seem to be asking is which one, you know, which one do I prefer more? Um, right. But yeah, given the way that we saw, like you say, two guys play almost 100% of the snaps last year mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, it wasn't the same two guys, as, as you say, um, because of uh, the trade of, of Roquan. It's going to be, it's going to be both, I think. Um, uh, to, to answer that question around the, you know, who do I want more? It's interesting to know, I saw that, um, uh, that, Edmonds, uh, despite signing that that mammoth contract, um, and Edwards signing for you know yeah. relatively nothing um, yeah. in comparison, um, it's it's uh, it's Ed- Edwards going ahead of Edmonds in uh, in the oh. IDP show best ball uh, as the uh, LB eleven, whereas Edmonds is going as the LB eighteen. Um, it's almost like you know fantasy managers see this in a very different way than the mm-hmm. team that's just signed him. Um, but yeah. Go back to the, the point again. I think it's I think it's both. Um, I'm I'm happy to have either around that sort of range. But if Edmonds is going seven spots later, I'm happy to have Edmonds over Edwards. Right. And, and I'd say the same if the reverse was true. Perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, my five is uh, Daniil Hunter. Um, no. So it was you know it's kind of nice to see him bounce back from that. Um, yeah. From that injury, was it a pec injury? I know he had a pec injury. I'm not sure if that was the one that kept him out, but you know he had a really yeah, productive, sure, yeah. really productive campaign. 70, 70 mm-hmm. pressures, twelve sacks, fifty-five combined tackles. Um, I was a little less concerned about the contract situation than than some others were. Yeah. Um, I know, I know they kind of evaluated trade options, but Hunter mm-hmm. for me falls into that sort of category of player who is going to deliver no matter where he goes um and you know i guess ultimately but you put any concerns to bed after signing that that one year deal to stay with the team so Mm -hmm. um you know obviously zadarius smith is no longer there kind of Mm -hmm. replaced by marcus davenport and you know as we know um unfortunately dj dj wanham's going to see a greater snap share than he really should yet again um but yeah Hunter remains one of the most productive edge rushers in the game. Not in that elite sort of top four, top five tier that most people seem to have, but yeah, in that next tier, he's as he's as good as there is. I think. I think if he can continue to see, you know, a thousand snaps again, like he did, like he almost got to last year, and mm-hmm. you know, 12, 13 percent pressure rate as he had last year, then another big season is 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 going to be coming. He's going as the uh, the edge uh, fourteen or the DL seventeen in okay. in those best ball drafts. Um, that's a touch behind um, the likes of Matthew Judon and Alex uh, Highsmith, marginally ahead of Will Anderson and Josh Allen. I wouldn't have those guys in that order myself, but that sort of value range feels about right to me. They're the guys I consider him, you know, being alongside. Really. Yeah, that's why I was going to just ask you what his ADP was because he's literally the next guy on my list. So it works out. We could just keep going. I mean. I, I agree. He's been a favorite of mine for a few years now. And yeah, the injuries kind of keep creeping in now. So that's what I think has made him more of a value at this point uh, in that range that you just mentioned, um, which I would be very happy uh, to get him there. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. Like I said, we've got him basically in the same uh, ranking here. So uh, yeah, he's just another ho-hum guy plug into your lineup every week and you know as long as he stays healthy you're very happy to have him exactly and you know to that point you know 
some of these guys, I mean, we listed them as, as one to 10, but the reality is, I don't know where you're thinking in terms of tiers, but right. um, yeah, some of these tiers are massive for me. I could literally yeah. have, uh, have, have gone with any, you know, any, any order um, between like four or five guys at certain positions. Um, where oh, there is like yeah. an obvious tier break off, I sometimes mention it, but yeah, just mm -hmm. assume that there's, there's, there's little to choose uh, between one position and another, uh, or one spot and another on, on my list at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely agree. One, one giant tier is exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're down to, uh, number four. Did you have Hunter at five or four? Yeah, I've lost uh, on that. Four. If he was my okay. four. Okay. I've got you. Okay. So number four for me, I've gone with, uh, as you mentioned him earlier, TJ, yeah. TJ Edwards. Um, I, I love, this is, this is, this has a little, little, little bearing on fantasy, but I just love his, I love his story. Uh, going yeah. from that sort of undrafted linebacker, barely played in his rookie, kind of found the field a little in his sophomore and then year three, boom, <laughs> very few expected it. You know, he's one of those guys that was criticized for, he had no athleticism, little, little sideline to sideline range, um, which made me like kind of really, really, really sort of surprised to see how well he's developed. Um, yeah. Building on, as you said, a productive 2021 with an even better 2022. Um so ordinarily, you know, we'd be a bit you know, concerned with a guy who's who's listed or we expect to be the number two linebacker on his team. But again, Alan Williams, he's going to be employing sort of two full-time off-ball linebackers. So that, that concern goes away. Um, I think 160 combined tackles is going to be hard to match again. You made this point earlier on. Um, he also had a bunch of splash plays, two sacks, seven pass breakups. Um, and his tackle efficiency was, you know, I think it was top 10, maybe 11 at the position uh, out of 100 linebackers who played 200 snaps. You know, it's going to be a tall order to ask him to, to, to right. reproduce at that same level. Um, but I still view him as a, as a low-end LB2, uh, sorry, mm -hmm. a high-end LB2, maybe low-end LB1. And I think, you know, ultimately, depending uh, where he falls amongst his peers in that, in that list, amongst the top 20 maybe, is going to be the same fact as we see every year health predominantly yeah. and that's really difficult to predict almost impossible yeah. and and again some of the, some of those big plays the majority of which are just a, a question of luck so yeah mm -hmm. i feel i feel quite happy having him at my four um yeah for all the reasons i mentioned there and some of those you mentioned earlier on yeah basically i i'm surprised you were that far apart when you mentioned lb11 versus 18 and yeah when, when that's the case i mean give me the cheaper guy i guess um so yeah i think that's really bullish uh for for drafters uh taking this lb11 but you know people are planting their flags right they if it's if we're asking them is it edwards or edmonds that very clearly the consensus thinks that it's edwards so give me the cheaper guy <laughs> always always yeah you know a little to choose between them but uh yeah i guess maybe a little bit of recency bias after after how he produced last year but yeah, I, I can I can get it. I'm with you. Always the the cheaper guy in that scenario. Um, so your number your number three, and that's why I have Tremaine Edmonds at my number three. Um, hey, hey. You know, so that's where I think. You know, when we do rankings, it's like I'm so I'm gonna out tangent you here. When you when you do rankings, you know, even for redraft, are you doing it as like where you think they're gonna finish points per game or like who do you want? For me, it's kind of like a mix of all of those things. So like me having Edmonds three and Edwards at five, again, like you mentioned, tier wise, it's just one giant tier. But I think that. Edmonds will a finish better I guess both points per game and season long and I just I, I want him 
uh, more so than I would want TJ Edwards. So like we've we've dropped a bunch of our analysis, but just more off the cuff, like rankings wise, if we're talking pure rankings, that's kind of how I put my rankings together. Uh, sort of like a mix of just gutalytics as well as where I think they're going to finish. So I don't know how, how your philosophy works out there. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, it's pretty similar to yours, um, you know, within within redraft, sometimes best ball. I mean, my rankings, I've got one particular guy who's who's quite a bit higher than yours, but you like him for all the reasons I like him. And that really comes back to, I, I don't know that he'll finish as uh, a top 10 option at his position, um, but I still think that he'll his points per game will be top 10 and that he won't miss that much time. So, yeah, for me, you know, Edmonds... Um, yeah, I, I was kind of impressed at how he played last year or in, interested really to see that he played a lot better last year than I think mm-hmm. he's played in seasons before. And I'm I'm really interested to see what he can do for the Bears for, I guess, three three main reasons. Firstly, he's a guy who's never really hit his ceiling, right? And I always mm-hmm. find it kind of super interesting to see how, how those kind of guys progress when playing for a new team. We talked about Campbell earlier on, um, you know, in a new scheme. Um, secondly, I thought, as I mentioned a second ago, I thought he played better last year. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering and interested to see whether that was an outlier or whether he's just a, like a really, really late bloomer. Um, mm-hmm. And thirdly, he's, you know, he's walking into another situation where he's going to be playing every down on a, on a defense again. So exactly. um, they invested so much in him, like 72 million, uh, 50 yeah. million guaranteed is, um, I, that's a hell of a lot, but that comes with massive expectations and, you know, they'll be relying on him heavily. So that, that provides us with some, uh, reassurance from a fancy perspective that he's not going to leave the field. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but also, you know, the bears, they really struggled for consistency at the position last year. Um, we touched on this earlier on Roquan, uh, traded halfway through this season. Jack, Jack Sanborn obviously came and came and went and his, his star, um, yeah. shined brightly before it fizzled out. Um, and then Joe Thomas, Joe Thomas even saw a lot of playing time towards the end of the year. So I think the signings of Edmonds and Edwards gives them some stability. And I'm interested to see what difference it makes to the defense. Um, not least because they've had like a lot of new people arrive in that front seven. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I view Edmonds, uh, same as Edwards, uh, high end LB2, low end exactly. LB1. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just going back to that ADP, interesting to see the disparity. Um, it, it's not it's not massive, but even so, right. LB LB eleven to LB eighteen. If it was the other way around, I'd probably be a little little less surprised. Um, right, it is it is what it is. So we're wrong with that. And I think it's going to come down to sacks, right? I mean, you know, Edmonds' career high was two two and a half. When Roquan was there, he was averaging about three to four. Um, sacks a year so even just those few extra points are going to help and you know maybe he he's got it in him to to get closer to six seven eight depending on how they use him and it feels like with that money there he's probably going to be the guy if they're going to send a linebacker it's probably going to be him so like you said matt he's still incredibly young only like 24 i believe like and this is his fifth year it's going into his fifth year in the league it's insane so he's still got so much room again if we pivot to dynasty quickly oh my god for dynasty i'm you know he rose way up my dynasty rankings because i think all the disappointment in buffalo but yeah i think there's something to be said about the total overall defense if you're Pass rush is getting the quarterbacks. There's less opportunities. And if you're behind in games, you're not running the ball as much. So there's just overall less opportunities there. And since he's been there, they've been a pretty damn good team. 
with an overall really good defense. I think overall the Chicago defense is not good and might lead us to see, you know, way more opportunity for him. So it's, again, the reason I really do like both of them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, we're getting uh, getting down to the interesting or the even more interesting one. So number yeah. number two for you. Okay, so my two, I believe, was, yes, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, really excited for year two. Uh, you know, I think for especially in best ball, uh, I think he's absolutely worth this ranking. We saw his 40 point spike week games. Now he also gave you some zeros as well, which was super frustrating. So if he can kind of even out those lumps a little bit, I think for regular redraft leagues, he, he'll be a lot more, um, fulfilling as a idp player for you um but yeah i'm just really excited to see him uh continue to put all the tools together and yeah i just super bullish on on hutchinson for sure <laughs> oh I, I like it um i've also got him as my i actually listed the next two guys as 1a and 1b but after almost <laughs> yeah. losing after almost losing track of where we were in the numbering <laughs> earlier on i'm gonna make hutchinson my two uh yeah. so yeah it's you know it's 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 a little too early to say with complete confidence, but yeah, so far you you got to admit he looks every bit the uh, the guy that they uh, they hoped he would be when they selected him yeah. second overall. Um, like you said, you know he he looked a little bit like looked every bit the rookie at times last year. Struggled with a bit of consistency. Um, had a couple of big sort of multi sack games those those right. those big weeks you mentioned, but he also had some really quiet weeks, um, especially to start the season, especially in the first half of the season. But down the stretch. Um, we really started to see more of that consistency. I think from from week ten onwards, um, he had something like six sacks in his last uh, nine games. Um, so yeah, we've got to be careful not to sort of cherry pick uh, those in season splits too much. I do it. I do it a fair amount yeah. though. But um, yeah, I do place a great sort of greater emphasis on that um, that evidence of development where it comes to exactly. guys who should still be developing. You know, rookies, sophomore players. So um, yeah. How they did to finish the season is kind of interesting. I'm a little, I think it's a little optimistic to expect Hutchison to play at the same level as the guy I've got listed in my number one spot in his second year. That's a, that's a major clue uh, as to the uh, the player I'm going to mention at the next point. But I don't think he's going to be far off um, to his ADP. He's going as the the edge seven and DL seven, actually, in in those best ball drafts. I don't, I don't think that's too high for Hutchinson. But I do think the disparity between him and the next guy I'm going to mention is 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 too great, and I'll I'll mention why in a second. Um, okay. But yeah, Hutchison at two, I like it a lot. Yeah. Really can't wait to see how he jumps forward in his second year. I think a Jalen Phillips esque second year from him is 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 well well within his range of outcomes. Um, nice. Let's let's watch it happen, Steve. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so number one. Okay, my number one is Quay Walker. Um, I think he just takes a jump. We mentioned already that I believe the transition has occurred, uh, that he will take over as the linebacker one, uh, seeing close to 100% of the snaps. And yeah, if he just improves slightly uh, on those splash plays and, and gives you more tackles, I think he, he's a, he's going to be a monster. Um, you know, some people are concerned. They saw him got kicked out of that game against the Lions. Um, to me, that just shows passion. It's a, it's a mix of passion and just, you know, young and dumb. And I think hopefully with good coaching that he'll figure out the young and dumb part and keep that passion. And guys like that just 
there's a reason he was, you know, I think people forget that like he was the first linebacker taken ahead of Devin Lloyd that year. Like people just kind of, you know, I think don't realize that he was such a highly uh, touted prospect and got the draft capital invested. And these guys rarely miss, especially when they're put in the opportunity uh, to play the snaps that he's going to play. So I just think it's complete wheels up. Super bullish on him, and yeah, I I'm very happy having him as as my number one here. <laughs> got it, got it. I I love I love your confidence in him. It's uh, <laughs> it's good to hear. I'm I'm slightly less confident in him, hence why I, I had him a little further up my list. But yeah, things like that ejection. I, I've heard other people yeah. talk about that as well when we talk when we're talking about fantasy, and that that doesn't even like you. That doesn't even come into play for me in the same way as I I don't care less about. Aaron Donald smashing his helmet into the floor and, 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 and you know, other guys too. Uh-huh. Um, Getting into fights and camp and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. If it doesn't affect the, the coach's view of that player mm-hmm. um, and his opportunity going forward, then why, why should it affect my, my view of that player from a fantasy perspective? It, it just doesn't. Um, so yeah, I like your, I like your selection of Walker there. I'm, I'm slightly less confident that the transition's already occurred. I'll be happier when I see just one game of it. Yeah. Um, even if that means yeah. Campbell playing like 90% and yeah. Walker playing 100. And those splits are, you know, kind of what, what I expect to see even when it does yeah. uh, unfold as to who's the one, one A and one B almost. So, yeah, I do like totally. Walker. Um, <laughs> um, so my my one is uh, is Rashan Gary. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I've got him at one. You've had him at ten. So similar <laughs> things to say about him, though, which is which is interesting. Right. So I, yeah, he's played at an elite level before. Um, I mean, he was doing so last year before mm. before the injury. In the space of like one and a half seasons, he's got 119 pressures, uh, 16 mm. sacks, 60 combined tackles, and and three forced fumbles. Um, his pressure rate last year was was up there. In fact, better than the likes of uh, Micah Parsons and, and Nick Bosa. Um, and that wasn't sure, over yeah. like a, a short period. That was half a season. Right. So right. Yeah, his talent, his talent, and you know recent history of production are, are undeniable. Like you yeah. said, the concern is is the injury, um, mm-hmm. torn ACL um, against Detroit last year. And until recently, we weren't sure whether he'd even um, be ready to start the 2023, 2023 season. So, mm-hmm. uh, but the signs are good. You know, he's he's. He's been working hard in rehab. They all work, they, they all say that. They're not oh, yeah. going to say they've been taking it easy and playing Madden, right? Um, <laughs> but, but you know, apparently, didn't take any time off between mini camp and training camp. Taking part in the individual, sorry, in team practices, whether on a sort of an individual basis or in eleven on elevens as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's off the pup as well. Forgot to mention that, and that's I think the clearest sign that the team expect him to be ready or at least to miss minimal time. So for me, I think he's, I'm not going to drop him too far because I think he's going to miss uh, much time. So the, at that point there, the question kind of becomes, you know, as it, as it is with all these guys who are uh, cutting their recovery period uh, fine before the, the start of the season, you know, how long will it take him to rediscover that explosiveness? And that matters as much for these edge guys as it does for any other position. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to take that gamble on, on him um, as much as, uh, you know, even n- number two on my list here, there's questions uh, 
that are outstanding for these guys. So, you know, with Hutchinson, it was whether or not he can keep that run that we saw towards the back end of last year going into his second year and take that take that stride to become that 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 really elite player at his position. With Gary, the question is really how quickly can he recover that explosiveness? And I think even if it takes him a couple of weeks, he's a he's a great value. And this was the biggest surprise for me when it comes to the ADP. Uh, yeah. Steve, I, he's going as the. In fact, do you want to have a guess where he's going um, relative to other edge players? I okay. So if who did we mention um, Hunter? If Hunter is going around Judon and Highsmith, I would imagine Gary's going later just because of the injury scare. So is he behind Hunter and the likes of that? I think he, he meant like DL eighteen ish, or so he's in the twenties. Uh, he's going as the the edge thirty two or the DL forty three, um, so that's to, to a list of guys taken ahead of him. Um, you know, Zayvon Collins is ahead of him. Travon Walker is Ooh. ahead of him. Um, I I strongly think Gary um, could be one of the biggest values at his position, yeah. um, even if it takes him like two, three weeks to, to really find that sort of explosiveness and right. feel fully confident that he's, uh, he's back to, back to full fitness. Um, yeah, that, that one blew me away. Uh, edge 32. That's, that's crazy, right? I think I've been getting him and I think I roster him in a, in a ton of these drafts that I've been doing the, the best ball drafts and even some, yeah. uh, some seasonal ones because of, and then uh, of how far he's falling and, you know, we're sort of people are sort of, you know, going based off the platform and ADP and ranks from I, I, most of this is coming from sleeper. We already know they've got issues at least kicking off with the IDP year. Um, I think a lot of these drafts have fixed that, but if people see him that far down, they think it's for a reason. So I, I've probably been reaching on him versus that ADP for sure. But uh, what an incredible value. If you could still get him around that range, I mean, take him three, four rounds earlier just to make sure you get him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people are taking him as their, as their, as their edge three. That's, there's, I, there's nobody wow. in that same range. I think that offers the upside of someone like Gary. Course. Even if he, you know, even if he takes weeks to to get back, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's massive value for me. Uh, what I expected to find is, and we we kind of chart where these guys are going in each draft as it happens, rather than just an overall against. Because so uh, what I was expecting to see was in the the most recent drafts, um, his he was being taken a lot higher as he's starting to show some signs of progress in that return from the injury. But I think in something like six out of the last nine most recent drafts, his ADP is still in the eighties, still where it was months ago so wow. yeah i'm i'm snatching him up wherever i can yeah. it's yeah crazy value so just to awesome. to kind of recap then that that brings us to the end of our top 10 um before we could take a sort of a quick peek at those rookies i had um campbell at 10 hicks at nine brisker at eight campbell and walker is 6a and 6b um I had Hunter at five, TJ Edwards at four, Tremaine Edmonds at three, Aiden Hutchinson at two, and Rashan Gary at one. Um, do you want to give us a quick yeah. recap as, uh, as to what you had, Steve? For sure. Uh, Rashan Gary, 10, Devondre Campbell, nine, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, eight, Jaquan Brisker, seven, Jack Campbell, six, TJ Edwards, five, Daniil Hunter, four, Tremaine Edmonds, three, Aiden Hutchinson, two, and Quay Walker, number one. Sounds good. Sounds good. So let's talk rookies for uh, a few minutes. Yeah. So 
there's there's some pretty fun names i think to touch on uh yeah. in the division um in some of my other uh pods where i've been doing the divisional previews i've really been scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find guys who will be impactful even in year two um but mm-hmm. i think in this division um, there's two guys i wanted to talk about uh more more than any others and the first of my guys uh if you don't mind me going first on this one steve yeah. is is brian branch um so I think he's going to be, like I say, impactful in year one. Um, he joined a, a pretty crowded secondary over there with the Lions, with um, one of the guys on your list, uh, Gardner Johnson, um, recently joining the team, Tracy Walker, Kirby Joseph on the back end there. But we knew, we kind of knew Branch was a versatile player. Um, mm-hmm. And we knew that would help him get involved sooner rather than later. But I think it's just sheer ability rather than his versatility that have shone in practices so far um, and in the preseason. Um, and I was I was a bit taken aback at the report suggesting that he might have leapfrogged Tracy Walker already in the in the pecking order um, with Gardner Johnson moving to safety, um, yeah. allowing Branch to sort of occupy that, uh, that slot DB role. Um, you know, as is the case with all of these rookies, the teammates and coaches are kind of waxing lyrical about how great he is, how pro-ready he is, et cetera, et cetera. But this is this is one of those such storylines that I'm that I'm eating, I'm buying into. Um and I think I think could be a good year for for Branch. If the reports are due uh, true, I think, and if he is going to start as that slot DB, I think he could possibly make his omission from my list look a bit silly by the year end. He's another one that kind of feels like the Jack Campbell route, right? Uh, the second half of the year, he could just be exploding. So, um, and yeah, his the sort of that ambiguity where we don't know uh, what's going down, but he's probably a pretty good value, I think, still. Um, if he is occupying that slot role, that's great. Even if he's got safety designation, I think that's fine. You're still getting a ton of opportunity there. So, um, yep. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely a guy that like probably hovering right outside of that top 10 and definitely got, I mean, in best ball, he's a great pick. And in redraft, you could probably get him towards the very end of your drafts and just kind of just hang on. They'll drop him. And if he goes undrafted or somebody does drop him early, keep him on your watch list or go grab go grab him and stash him for, for a second half run. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I've got one other rookie to mention, but did you want to um, did you want to mention one next, Steve? In case uh, I choose the same guy you've got. Yeah, I think I know who you're you're going to drop. So I, we briefly mentioned earlier. I just want to throw out Ivan Pace, um, Ivan Pace Jr., linebacker, undrafted from Minnesota. I think the NFL totally missed there. Um, you guys like talk about the NFL being heightest. I think that's absolutely the case here. Um, Pace, you know, we we so we saw Jack Campbell go in the first, right? Then nobody until the third. Um, I think Ivan Pace absolutely deserves talent wise and everything to be mentioned with those guys who all went the third. I don't think there's much that separates him from the Di- Diane Henleys, the Dorian Williams of the world. Um, I, I think he, he absolutely deserves that. I think he's already showing that he deserves to be mentioned with those guys. So again, it might be tough for him to see the field um, early in the year without an injury, but you know, Asamoah, I, you know, I think he is battling injury already. So maybe we do see him sooner or later. In redraft, you can't really draft him yet, but absolutely another watch list guy. And the second that, you know, you see the snap count start ticking up, stash him for, again, maybe a late season run. And I in a best ball, 
I think he's a great towards the end of the draft, you know, flyer pick um, who who could you know provide some some real value uh, later in the year. So I just I just love him and couldn't believe that he went undrafted. Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like, um, you know, what teams didn't see in him? Maybe yeah. it was the the size, um, you know, slightly smaller guy, but yeah. Um, from a fantasy Crazy. perspective, we're all we're all desperate for 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 linebackers and yeah, uh-huh. um, end of season outlook maybe towards the end of the sorry uh, year two in in dynasty. You know, there's a lot to like about yeah. lot to like about pace. Um, I know I know John Macri is uh, is a huge fan. Oh, yeah. um, as are most of the guys over at the IDP show. So, um, yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see how it all un, uh, unfolds. Um, the only other rookie I wanted to mention was uh, so Lucas Lucas Van Ness, obviously taken taken pretty high in the draft. Um, you know, we all know he's he's super raw, um, and he's you know, he's also having to learn how to play in a two point stance, much like uh, his teammate Rashawn Gary did when he first entered the league. Um, but I think he's I think he's landed in a really good spot there on the Packers. Mm. Um, I mean, for redraft purposes, I'm I'm kind of I'm tempering my expectations a little yeah. bit. Um, Gary's, as I said before, looking like he might not miss very much time, if any at all. Preston Smith, you think they you you know he's not he's not playing at a level that's irreplaceable, um, but right. uh, that makes him irreplaceable. But he's <laughs> he's always going to get the nod over Van Ness, you'd think, um, especially in that first half of the season. I think I think Van Ness is one to look at for year two and year three. But you know, as you mentioned a moment ago, when you're talking about pace, injuries occur. There are a couple of other guys on the roster who I think could um, could battle Van Ness for scraps, but. Um, yeah, um, I, I've taken a fly on him in some redraft leagues, but in sort of deep, deep roster okay. leagues, um, just on the off chance that something happens, um, heaven forbid something happens to, to Smith or, um, or Gary, um, and, and he gets an opportunity earlier than I think he should do if, if everyone's still on the field. So yeah, I like his situation long-term. I know he's not the finished article as a, as a pass rusher yet. Um, but yeah, I'm taking a, I'm taking a bit of a gamble on him as I am with a couple of guys that I place in the same sort of category, the Miles Murphys, the, the Tyree Wilsons, those sort of guys. So I'm taking a punt on them in the hope that not in the hope that something happens to one of the guys ahead of them, but you know, you (laughs) know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah. that's it. That's it. So yeah. yeah. And obviously Smith's, you know, the way his his contract is, is structured. Um, yeah. I know that in those leagues, which are dynasty, Van Ness is is going to be someone I'm looking to in year two. So I'm trying to draft a year ahead, like the Ravens. Gotcha. So yeah, it's a more of a dynasty play there. I've got yeah. one good thing and one bad thing to say about Van Ness. The good thing mm-hmm. is to sort of quell a negative thing uh, or a negative narrative about him from college is that he never was a starter. People like I've heard people drop that and say that. Um, the, the context behind that is that that is completely irrelevant. They had a senior in front of him who they committed who they just played as a starter and he would come in and play the whole rest of the so if you hear that narrative as a negative towards van ness completely disregarded that's the kind of context behind that of why he never was a quote-unquote starter in college now the bad thing i'm not a a a tape guy I, i have a lot to learn about what i see on tape but i i've found people that i really trust their opinions on tape which is why i love ivan pace so much this, this person was really big on his tape so i believe in that um the tape behind van ness according to one of the people i follow and really trust is that he as you said he's raw and he, for me there was only like one move that he had a, a bull rush so i mm-hmm. like my i like my edge you know guys and guys that go after the quarterback 
to have more of a toolkit than just one move. So, but like you said, he he can develop and he can be coached. So I am a lot lower on him as even in Dynasty, um, just because of that fact is that he has such a far way to go. Now, yes, his raw talent is there, but we've seen those guys bust over and over and over again because they don't develop and you know they get drafted in the first round, get all this money, think they're they're you know the big guy on campus and maybe they don't develop. Now that's a personality thing. I know nothing about his personality to say that that is the case with Van Ness, but I'm just saying overall, we've seen that happen more frequently than it probably doesn't happen. So yeah, I'm definitely a lot lower than most, especially in redraft. No, thanks. Yeah. I know you're taking flyers on him. Totally get that. I'm not, I'm finding other guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I appreciate your insight. So Unless you have any other rookies to mention, I think that about that about does it, Steve. Um, All right. So yeah, I, I I I knew you'd be an awesome guest. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You know, we've we kind of worked together and been yeah. been been talking on and off for, for years now. You've been you've been exactly that. So yeah, thanks for taking the time to jump on and chat about the NFC North with me. It's been, I think, one of uh, one of our better episodes. Uh, before I let you go, though, um, please remind our listeners where they can find your work in the season ahead and where they can find you on uh, X. I almost said Twitter. <laughs> Call it. Uh, listen, I'm not bending to the Elon. It's Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dynasty Santa. My DMs are open. If anybody wants help or has questions, um, IDP or offense, I try to be very well-rounded there. Um, and yeah, exciting stuff working with the IDP guys, idpguys.org. Uh, we've got, we're really dynasty focused. We are obviously putting out redraft contests. We will have rankings for you all season long for redraft. We've got great dynasty rankings. Myself and my uh, partner, uh, Matt Record, are doing the IDP Plus podcast this year. So we've kind of had a few episodes coming out through the off season here, um, just trying to add more IDP content into the space. I think we look, honestly, I was inspired by the IDP show and the, and the after show here to, to get on that train. Um, we try to add our flavor to it, do things a little different, talk about um, all broad, different topics about IDP. We get into scoring settings and league setup and all, everything. So that's why we call it the plus podcast. And we do talk offense. So we just try to talk everything there with the focus being on IDP. So we'd love for people to check us out, audio and YouTube, wherever you find podcasts. So thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a ton of fun. <laughs> oh, it's been my my pleasure. Go and, uh, go and follow Steve. Uh, I can't think of a, a single analyst who spends more of his time just helping other people out. Um, and as I said, at the top of the, the show, he does it with a with a constant smile on his face. Um, you right. you definitely need more Steve in your life. And yeah, as for the podcast, I've checked it out. Uh, Matt's been on this show with me as well. Got a lot of time for him. Uh, can say the same uh, about uh, Matt, as I've just said about you as well, Steve. Um, two, two great guys. Listeners definitely check out their their pod and, and their work. Um, as always, if listeners want to follow me, you can find me on, uh, I'm going to call it Twitter as well. God damn it, Steve. Uh, At at Jace Abbey. Um, If you have any questions or comments about what we've discussed today, or, you know, maybe you want to quiz Steve on why he's gone with uh, Dynasty Santa, Monica, what the Santa part of that is all about, then, (laughs) you know, it is up. But, um, but yeah, before I go, quick reminder to subscribe to the IDP show. There's a wealth of content lined up for the season. You don't want to miss out on 
any of it. So in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks again to Steve. We appreciate your time. You hope you found this useful. Bye for now. This was the IDP After Show. Mm-hmm.